It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever to the naked eye trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are. And they can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop over a mile to stop by that time. It's too late. And the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. And if the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Get your something to wrestle gear at BrucePritchard.com and check out BoxaGimmicks.com, the official something to wrestle store, where you can find gimmicks for yourself or the fan in your life. New items added weekly. Thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. But now is the time to level up and take the next step and become a member of ad-free shows. Top Guy Weekend is in the books, and the planning is already underway for the next event. There is a big-time buzz still going on from the event in Chicago, and many have already secured their spot for next year's event as a result. You can, too. Become an annual Top Guy member today at adfreeshows.com. And if you're still curious about the buzz, but not yet sure, we have a special offer going on right now. Head on over to adfreeshows.com today and try it out for free for the remainder of September. Yes, free. Sign up at any tier and simply message ad free once you've signed up and they will issue a full refund for the month. There's never been a better complimentary piece to your wrestling fandom than becoming a member at adfreeshows.com right now. So head over now and begin enjoying all the perks for free. Again, adfreeshows.com. Hey, everybody. Before we get going today, I just wanted to let you know how much we appreciate your support here for the podcast. Even after all these years, we're still having a lot of fun, and we hope you are too. But behind the scenes, man, I'm still doing my first love. I'm helping people save money at savewithconrad.com. And that's really why I started podcasting to begin with, to help listeners nationwide, just like myself, wrestling fans who knew where they wanted to be, but they just weren't exactly sure how to get there. I think most of us have the same goals. We want our piece of the American dream, right? We want to own a home. We'd like to pay it off if possible, maybe one day a vacation home, but we certainly want to help our kids. We don't want them to be saddled with student loans. We don't want to be drowning in credit card debt. We just want the peace of mind of knowing that we've made the best decisions for our family. And that's what my family is dedicated to doing over at SaveWithConrad.com. Don't take my word for it. Check out our reviews, ConradReviews.com. Check out what my man Nicholas up in Lexington, South Carolina wrote. He gave us a five-star review and he says, Francis, Larry, which is my dad, and Holly were great to deal with and answered questions I didn't even know to ask. I tried to refinance over a year ago and wasn't able to. In that year, my debt only increased, and I wanted to give it another shot, and I'm so glad I did. Your team not only got me a lower interest rate, but saved me $800 a month in credit card debt while keeping the same monthly payment. My credit score has also jumped 92 points in less than two months. I highly recommend using SaveWithConrad.com for your refinance needs. 
or you can be an undercover hillbilly and keep overpaying. Well, I appreciate that. I don't want you to keep overpaying. I want you to keep more of your own money. Thanks for the five-star review, Nicholas. We greatly appreciate your support. And guys, we're licensed in more than 40 states. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. If we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. Punch it in your phone right now. You'll be glad you did. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. She pooted. What a rib? No, you have a There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. It, it, it. Was he there? I was there. Say something about I don't give a shit. <laughs> I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shit. Fuck him. You, Bruce. Ah, Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Are you sad? Nope. You're happy. And I know I clap my hands, but I can't because my hand's holding a microphone because <laughs> yeah, we are... I know what I'm holding the microphone too, because you wouldn't let me just lay it on my belly. First of all, Bruce is wearing shorts only and glasses, and he's in my recliner covered up with my dog's blanket. Responding to emails on his grandpa flip phone and also drinking a Fiji water and a diet Coke and a diet Pepsi. Cause he's a monster, but he's still got the dark brown hair, which is maybe the best part of this whole look. You're rocking like a faux hawk this morning, Bruce. Like a what? A faux hawk. What's not, a, I don't even a real know what a faux hawk. You're a faux hawk. It means you ain't got the sack to commit to shaving the sides, but it's, it's kind of spiky in the middle. Oh, okay. Wait, hang on. All right, so I lied. That's not a Diet Coke. That's a Coke Zero, but it's it's parked next to a Fiji water and a uh, Diet Pepsi, which I can't believe you're drinking both at the same time. (sighs) Doesn't everybody? No, turns out it's just a you thing. No, it's not. You're a monster. It's well established. No, not not denying that. However, uh, that would be grossly incorrect. (laughs) So my favorite part of this is... You wanted to just lay the microphone on your chest, uh, on the blanket and just talk into it that way. And you try to convince me it wouldn't make noise that the microphone wouldn't move 
and it wouldn't rub into the blanket and therefore distort. And you've been in production for 40 years. Yeah, but it's me doing it, so therefore it's okay. I got it. Okay. You let your other people do it. No, actually. You let your other people do it. This is the only time that someone has recorded a podcast in my recliner nearly naked using my dog's blanket ever. You're welcome. So here we are. We're talking about. I just, I just, I, it's, like, it's like fucking softballs. I just lob them at you. Like coming down from the eighth floor today on the elevator. Oh, God. Here we go with this again. What? By the way, we should give everybody a heads up. This is the last day of your quote unquote vacation to Huntsville, Alabama. And, uh, yeah, well, what a vacation this has been. Dude, you just convalesced in your bed. I mean, yesterday's the most I've seen you, and you wanted to just watch TV, which was great because we got to catch up on some pretty fun stuff. Uh, should we talk about that show that you didn't like that I don't think is all that great that could be better, or should we just leave it alone? Yeah, I'll just leave it alone. I don't even know which one you're talking the about. The one you were watching no. when I came in. Oh, God, in. then no. Fuck no. Okay. Um, I wanted to share with everyone. You know, we had like a sunset cruise planned and a private dinner deal. and Which y'all we all could have done. We, we were going to go to Roos Chris last night, get you the whole seafood tower, send you out of town with a Happy Meal. And this morning, you literally wanted a Happy Meal. You wanted us to order McDonald's so you could get a McGriddle. And you said that you couldn't go to dinner and all these other things because you might shit the floor. You had an upset stomach. So now you're going to eat a McGriddle right before you get on a plane. This might not be your best plan. Well, no, it'll all be out before I get on the plane. I won't eat anything between now and the time I get home. So no lunch for you today? Probably not. Okay. Well, I was going to offer, but you're saving me some cash, so I appreciate that. Yeah, I'd still do something for my wife. Because I got to tell you, the management in this hotel, so like, uh, again, but well, anyway, we've been through it. We have. I did, you're going to get a very strongly worded Yelp review. Well, we're offering full refunds. Okay. Uh, or you could just send an email to go fuck yourself at the conradison.com. Okay. Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Uh, so let's talk about something to wrestle. Is that the Conradison or just Conradison? You know, I'll have to check. Uh, I think people your age say, I don't computer. So, yeah. Well, back in my day, back when I was going Hershey. Real, real talk. What size font do you have set on your phone? It's what? not, it's not a factory setting. I, I, uh, I couldn't help but notice this week when you, you flash your phone to show me something, I forget what it was, but it was extra large, maybe so? double XL. When, when did that happen? When did you get into pawpaw settings on your phone? I thought you said I was, I was incoherently computerish. You are, but you've, I don't even know if you know how you made it bigger. Oh, I know. That's what, that's what well, you I use Bluetooth. bigger than that. <laughs> okay, we're talking about one of our more uh, excitable topics. You know, when I listed off what we were going to be doing, I don't know, a month ago, this one caught your ear. Even earlier this week, when we were catching up on some other shows, you were like, ooh, mind games. And just before you and I 
clicked record. We rewatched that main event. I'm excited to talk about this one today, Bruce. Me too. Okay, good talk. So we're coming off SummerSlam 96 with Shawn Michaels. Of course, we've covered that in the archives over at somethingtowrestle.com. Of course, in the main event, Shawn is going to go ahead and retain, and uh, he was working with Big Van Vader, of course, in the main event. It wasn't Big Van Vader. It was Vader. Sorry. Mankind would defeat The Undertaker in the Boiler Room Brawl, and then famously, Paul Bear would turn heel. He's a heel. And join Mankind, breaking up that long-term relationship he had with The Undertaker. And we're about to start the path for a new intercontinental champion. But the big story at the time is the contract negotiations with Brett, the Hitman Hart. And of course we've covered Brett's 1996 in the archive. So be sure to check that out. But how big of a priority on the heels of the NWO success, Holland Nash, leaving the promotion to go to work for Ted Turner's world championship wrestling. How big of a priority was it to Vince to lock down Brett? I guess. Pretty much a priority because it, it was coming up, and I know that Vince wanted Brett to stay. So let's uh, let's also mention that the Raw the night after SummerSlam in Wheeling, West Virginia. There's some interesting footnotes in the history of the WWF. Flex Cavana, better known as The Rock, who Flex Cavana, Cavana. Okay, sorry, Flex Cavana, better known as The Rock. Goddamn Cavana, like fuck, goddamn Quain. I got Wong. it. Flex Kavana. Got it. Uh, he defeats David Haskins in a dark match. Is this the first record of Dwayne Johnson in a ring at a WWE live event? I think so. I had, no, it's not. When he worked in San Antonio and Houston, when he came in for his tryouts, it was Dewey Johnson. Would have been the first time he'd be in a WWE ring. Okay. Don't stare at me like that. But that was, this is the first time he's actually under your employee, right? Well, when was the tryout? Now he works here. Okay. I was just, boy, this is where we are already. That's where we are already. I, yeah. You gave me almost nothing on Brett. And now you're like, yeah, okay. He, Rock had been there before. What else? Are you just going to be com- cantankerous and combative all day? Pretty much. In less exciting news, shall it's we just say. just six pounds of fluid out of Dodgers. Dude, can we at least say everybody, Dodger, get well, Dodger. Uh, Dodger's doing a little bit better. We took six pounds of fluid out of his uh, stomach last night, drained it. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting home to him. So he's a fish dog, something to wrestle with, and, and he's he's hanging in there still. Well, shout out to Dodger. Hope he uh, is feeling better sooner rather than later. Um, and, you know, we'll try to work on him being the official dog or something to wrestle again. He already soon. is, always has been, always will be. In uh, other news, Kevin Kelly makes his World Wrestling Federation debut working with Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. And we also see the first vignettes airing for the stalker, Barry Windham. Uh, Were you thinking Kelly was going to be an addition or a replacement? I'm just trying to figure out, was was Vince actively trying to find his replacement? He wanted to move away. What what did you think Kevin Kelly's role was going to be initially? No, always you're looking to replace Vince and have backup and have depth in the play-by-play field. So Kevin was somebody that had sent in stuff. He had sent in things from Universal Studios where he'd been doing Eddie Mansfield's uh, wrestling show. I don't know what the hell that was. was that the Continental Wrestling Federation or something like that that he did out of Orlando and uh, brought Kevin in as backup and add depth to the play-by-play. Uh, let's also mention um, Kevin Kelly 
is going to become a big part of sort of the backstage interviewer role. How do you think he did in that role? I think he did all right. Were you actively looking for, and uh, Lord knows there's no replacing Mean Gene Okerlund, but were you actively looking for, we need a new Mean Gene? I think, uh, yeah, we were always, again, looking looking for depth and looking for people that could step in and fill multiple roles. And the more that you could do, the more valuable you were. So the stalker Barry Wyndham, I think we've told the story a few different times, but very briefly, uh, tell me what you remember about shooting those vignettes. Oh, that was an absolute blast. Barry had this, uh, land, uh, North Florida, South Georgia area that just either several hundred or 7,000 acres of, of land and shit. I don't know what the hell it was, but it was a lot of land and Barry, we had this idea, this stalker thing. We went out one night and just shot a ton of of these stalker vignettes of him hiding in plain sight where, you know, you're shooting around and Barry's in camo, but yet he's actually in the weeds and you reveal him when he opens his eyes. We did the nice reflection in the uh, lake. Just some fun, fun stuff. And and all of it, the, the crazy thing about it was is that there had been a documentary crew on that shooting behind the scenes probably was uh, even more interesting because of all the the snakes and different varmints that were surrounding us the entire time. And it was uh, a little bit of a tense, fun, fun shoot. Owen Hart is going to win his first round intercontinental title tournament match on the show over Davy boy Smith by count out Sonny, who's doing commentary at ringside is going to get into an argument with Davy boy and Jim Cornette comes out to defend Davy boy. And unfortunately calls Sonny a slut for trying to interfere. Uh, and this leads to Owen and Davy boy against the smoking guns, uh, at mind games. I mean, do you think Sonny, I mean, Sonny's friends with Jim Cornette. Does she have an issue with this creative? Was this off the cuff? I mean, obviously these days you couldn't do anything that was written for Cornette. (laughs) Good God. Yeah. He's just riffing, but again, it makes air. Well, it shouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, was there a worry about lost market share because nitro is getting hot and now here you are, you know, having to be off of your normal night because the, uh, the U S open has forced you to move to Friday. Again, you know, that was something we dealt with every single year between tennis and the, and the dog show. Um, but in years past, you were the far superior product in the ratings and whatnot. Now you're still the far superior product. It's just, uh, it, ratings and reflect we had, that. uh, competition up against us and it was nothing we could do about it. So you can sit there and fret all you want about it. Unless USA was going to drop Westminster or, or tennis, you were nothing you could do about it. I guess the question is, do you try to load up those shows more than normal because it is a different night? Or do you think, well, there'll probably be less people watching. Let's save our good shit for when we're back in our regular spot. There's two schools of thought, you know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you, if you just say, okay, less people are going to watch, but at the same time, yeah, you could load it up, but then you're loading it up for people that aren't going to know where the hell you are sometimes. So it, it's it's a catch-22, and you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. So you try to ride that in the middle and give them the best show that you can without throwing the entire book at them. Do you have a best practice one way or another? I am... 
usually it, it really it depends on the situation. It, it really does. Um, if USA was going to give us a lot of replays in prime time and in different spots, well, that would be different because then you would say, okay, I'm getting more than one shot at this in an odd time and not the most desirable position. If they came back and said, hey, man, we'll replay you on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and we'll replay you like three times on Saturday, that kind of stuff, then you're going to give them a hell of a show that you want people to see. Um, if not, you're going to keep it steady and do what you have to do and then uh, grab your audience in the usual time. All right, tell the truth. Who had Tom Brady slinging five touchdowns this past weekend? Not me. I don't know how he does it. Five touchdowns? Are you kidding me? Uh, I didn't go as well as I hoped last week on my fantasy. But I got to tell you, I am so glad that I have another chance this week. And listen, if you're tired of getting killed by daily fantasy sports experts, here's a pro tip. Don't play experts. Play the house with Stat Hero. Listen up, boys and girls. I got a little life hack for you. If you love fantasy sports, I want to introduce you to Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. Nobody else does that. You're in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash wrestle. Sign up for free, and right now, you can get 100% bonus match on your first deposit when you use promo code WRESTLE. They're matching your first deposit. What do you have to lose? Go to stathero.com slash wrestle and enter promo code WRESTLE for a 100% first deposit match. So let's talk a little bit about something you said there. Because I said, hey, uh, in years past, you had the superior product and you were winning the ratings. And you very quickly said, we still had the superior product. Do you believe that you can have a better product with less eyeballs? Or do you subscribe to he who has the biggest rating wins? Well, it depends on what what you're asking. If you're asking who wins the ratings, the guy that has the biggest rating of course. wins. When you're looking at business and you're looking at who has got more people coming to live events and putting down money to actually pay and well, I just, witness their show, then it depends on how you want to measure success. And if you measure success, at the end of the day, if it's a profitable business, then whoever's making the more money is the one that is. Well, I'm asking because there's this old Al Snow debate. You know, He had this video a few years ago where he talked about what was the best match at WrestleMania three and most wrestling fans who were listening to this would say, Oh, well, macho man and uh, Ricky steamboat. That's exactly what he said. And he said that because that's the one that did the best business. So I want to ask it again. Can you have the better show? Can you say we have the best show? If you don't have the best rating, are you comparing it on ratings? Are you comparing it on business? Well, ratings are business, I thought. Is that well, not? Well, it depends on it. if you're saying who has the best show. And if you have a show that made a million dollars versus a show that made $200,000, then the one that made a million dollars. But the one that 
made $200,000 may have gotten a better rating. So you're saying, I just want to be I'm clear. I'm saying it all depends. You've got to take, I'm saying you can't just say, oh, well, who had the better show because of no, one thing? No, no, you're no, saying no. because of ratings. No, no. I, I'm I, saying overall. I said in years past, you had the better product and you said we still had the better product. We did. I feel that we did. I feel that we Based had the better product. Based on what metric? You thought you were more profitable? Based on I thought that we had better talent and better well, product no, no, overall. I, but the best product is the one that make, does the best business, right? Yeah, and was making the most money in live events. But y'all were losing money in that No, we weren't. And we were actually doing better business and we were doing better business live event than WCW was at the time. So now the metric is just live event. It's not all the other stuff. Just want to make sure I'm following you. No, you're not following me because I'm saying it's all the above. You're saying ratings. I'm saying, well, you're not taking into consideration everything else. And you asked me whether I thought it was the well, best we were talking product. about and I, sh- and I thought it was the best product. That's my opinion. We're talking about a show moving to another night. So, of course, we would talk about ratings. No, you said that our product was inferior to the other product. No, nope. I said it wasn't. I said in years past, you had the superior product. And I felt that we still had the superior I, product. I That's what I feel. Okay. Let's move on. You're, you're in cantankerous mode. Uh, Superstars has moved off of syndication to the USA Network to replace Action Zone. It's pretty rema- amazing to me that one of the biggest reasons the company took over, talking about the WWF, uh, when in regards to the national wrestling scene is syndication, but by and large syndication's dead by 96, just roughly 10 years later, it's not even a thing anymore. Really dead. Isn't that crazy. Yeah, it really was. And especially when you look at, you know, the, the, the business was changing. Look, the business was changing in every aspect of the word from guaranteed contracts to, you know, live television on in prime time on cable where you could reach, you go back 10 years though, and not everybody had cable. So that was real too. You, you had you had homes that didn't have, there were more homes that did not have cable than had cable. Syndication was the only way to reach them. So help me understand, you know, something I've always been fascinated by is that wrestling is neither sport nor entertainment when it comes to regular syndication. Let me explain in your local affiliate, you know, whether it's NBC or CBS or Fox or whatever, usually between like, we'll say the the five o'clock news and prime time starting, there is a rerun in there of some old show. And Hey, that happens in the afternoons too. But like, um, That's never been an opportunity for professional wrestling. You know, there used to be like two at two and a half men at 6 PM in most markets. And you know what? There's a ton of those opportunities out there for a show like Seinfeld or friends or whatever. They just run reruns in that one time slot, but wrestling has never been able to be presented that way. Do you think it could be, do you think you have to watch brand new content or could you just have 30 minutes of filler content in there in place of a sitcom someday? Maybe maybe you could, but from a television programming standpoint, they pay a lot of money for those shows. So they want to get they want to get every dime that they can, so they're going to get a lot more advertising time off of a Seinfeld or a Frasier or what have you than they are for wrestling. And wrestling was something that they were able to you know put on, and in some places, you know, it was 
at one time either free programming or cheap programming. And then it became, oh, wait a minute, now they're they're getting syndication prices for it. And now they've got to, they've got to work harder to sell it. And there was a foregone conclusion that the time to sell wrestling was on Saturday and Sunday mornings. I've always just been fascinated by like the Big Bang Theory or Jeopardy or Dr. Phil or even those judge shows like Judge Judy. They just bring in so much cash and it feels like if positioned properly, even if it is just an old rerun, you could chop up like an old series of matches and just throw it on some affiliate and Hoboken and yeah, do okay. sports are different. So you, I think that, that it's a little too sports for you. Yeah. I think people would look at it and, and look at it in the now. And I don't think that they would want to see the nostalgia in that, in that slot. You go back and look at ESPN. ESPN did that. They had three o'clock every, every single day. Uh, with global wrestling and after a while people were like eh you know it, it because there was so much rerun and repackaging of, of the same show well but that also wasn't top stars i guess i'm wondering could you chop up 30 minutes of stone cold and and the rock and or hulk hogan and randy savage or whatever but five days a week then what what do you do next week no i'm with you i'm just fascinated by the shelf life that uh a big bang theory has for instance and how those you know, guys were on Seinfeld and they're fucking judge Judy makes 50 million a year. It's just ridiculous. The amount of money they have from she these syndicated she. things. I'm just noticing that in a 10 year span, it seems like Vince took over with syndication and then it's phased out, but it's still alive today, but just different. It's way different. It's way different today. It's not as valuable today as it was then because you've got all your, your cable and streaming properties. Okay, I just want to give you a heads up. I'm actually right now supposed to be reading copy to you from our friends at Chili Sleep. And when I say our friends, I mean it. But I'm going to uh I'm going to go rogue here. I'm going to go off script. I'm just going to tell you how this thing has changed my life. And when I say this thing, I mean the Uller. I'm not kidding around, guys. This has become such a big part of my life. I've told my wife, I've told my friends, I've told my family. It's now a non-negotiable. You've heard me talk about things like this in the past that I really like to have a washlet on my toilet. I really like to use wet wipes. I, I have a certain few things that are like quirks in my life that I think are like creature comforts. This jumped to number one on the list. I feel better than I can remember in my entire life. The entire time I've been recording podcasts, I feel better right now. And I give 100% of that credit to chili sleep. Yes, this is technically an ad, but I am telling people in my real life left and right. Now, Chili Sleep has changed my life. I'm not exaggerating. I didn't realize that I was not dreaming. Process what I just said. I have vivid, bright, and colorful dreams now that I never had before. And what that tells me, I'm getting realm sleep, dude. There's been times where you guys have even joked on Twitter. Does this guy even sleep? When does he have time to do all of this? Candidly, I didn't. I slept about six hours a night at best. Since I've gotten a chili sleep hooked up, I have routinely slept eight, nine hours. I have to be woken up. I feel fantastic. It has been a real game changer in my life. I've decided to buy more of these, not just for my other residents, but I mean, I'm going to have extras in the garage. God forbid, if something ever happens to my chili sleep, I need another one. I don't want to live a life without chili sleep. I know I'm shilling extra hard, but it's because I believe in it. By the way, none of this is in the script, so I hope they're not upset with me. But here's what we got going on, guys. 
Chili Sleep is a mattress topper. Let me explain. It goes over your existing mattress. They're not trying to sell you a new mattress. It fits right over the top, and there's a little gimmick you're going to put beside your bed. You're going to hook the hose that runs from that mattress topper into this little gimmick. You're going to put a little bit of water, and then you're going to pair it with your phone. There's a special app you'll put on your phone, and ta-da, you're all set, man. And what I've done is I've set a real routine. My bed starts getting cool every night at 10 o'clock and it will warm up to wake you up whenever you want. You're in control of all of this. You don't have to do this automatic schedule thing, but my goodness, I am sleeping so good. I feel so great. I feel sharper. I feel like I'm getting more accomplished. I'm not tired throughout the day. I think a lot of people experience some sort of crash after lunch where they're just sort of give out. And if you feel like that and you think "Ah, that's probably because I'm overworked, No, dude, you're not sleeping well. And I thought for years, the trick was just crank down the AC, man. Get some blackout shades, maybe throw a little strip on your nose and you'll be good to go. And I did all of that. And I thought, Hey, I'm onto something. I hooked up chili sleep. Dude, I didn't know what real sleep was. This has been consistent, deep sleep. And the reason it's working is it's lowering my core body temperature. I used to crank down my AC in my house to like 67. I set my chili sleep on 65. Dude, I don't need to chill off the, uh, the kitchen anymore. The dining room in my office in the laundry room don't need to be cold. I think I'm saving money here too, man. But more importantly, the way I feel, I even told my dad the other day, cause I just sold him on getting one of these Dad, if they charged me per night, I would say deal. I almost feel like it's too good of a value. And here's what I mean. If they were like, Hey, Conrad, you want the best sleep you ever had? It's going to be 10 bucks. I'd say, hell yeah. Sign me up in perpetuity. I want to sleep like this every single night. These luxury mattress pads from Chili Sleep keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep. Whether you sleep hot or cold, that's worth mentioning, especially since it's about to start cooling off. Uh, My wife is going to want to climb into a warm bed. Not me. Uh, I want to climb into a cold bed. But what she's going to do, she's going to have her start warm and then cool her off so she doesn't wake up all hot and sweaty. I know I sleep better when I'm cooler, and I bet you do too. But man, I'm falling asleep. I'm staying asleep. I've got the confidence and energy to power through my day. I'm sold on chili sleep. I really recommend this to you. I don't even know that they're going to advertise next week and I don't care. I'm going to tell everybody I know they need a dog on chili sleep. Try it. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. Head over to chilisleep.com forward slash wrestle to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for something to wrestle listeners and only available for a limited time. That's chilisleep.com forward slash wrestle. That's C-H-I-L-I sleep.com slash wrestle. Take advantage of our discount and wake up refreshed every day. My dad's got one. I got Mike Dawkins, our gimmick attorney, getting one. I got Scott Hyatt, our hotel guy, getting one. Everybody in my life has heard about Chili Sleep ad nauseum. And you need to try it. I believe in it. It's awesome. I just talked about it for five minutes. I'm sorry about that. I know you don't like ads, but I love Chili Sleep. And I might talk about it next week, even if they don't buy an ad. Go to chilisleep.com forward slash wrestle. It's the best doggone money you'll spend this year. Promise. Do you remember there being a time? I mean, oftentimes things happen very slowly. You know, it's like, uh, when you see someone who has lost a bunch of weight or gained a bunch of weight, but you haven't seen them in a long time. Uh, and then it's a big shock to you because you haven't seen it in a long time. But if you were there for the whole process, you saw it happen. Uh, the same thing could probably be said about syndication, right? It's not like you came into the office one day and you're like, well, nobody watched last week. It's dead. Right. Or do you remember that happening where there was a moment where all of a sudden syndication was just not as viable? I mean, I remember the moment. Yes. And, and it just became, 
Um, you could reach more people at the same time with the same message on cable. It just cable became more available to to people, and it was like, all right, do you want to spend this money in syndication, or do you want to go one time and go live on cable? And cable seemed to be the more viable option. Uh, Brian Pillman does an interview with Steve Austin, and Austin is uh, starting a push here for a match against Bret Hart. Is the creative team under the assumption that that Brett at this point is coming back or are you hoping that we can just sort of speak it into existence? There's a lot of hope. Had the, had it been clearly communicated because I know they did the Kuwaiti tour and they worked together that Brett, should he come back? Should he sign would want to do something with Steve Austin? That would be his opponent of choice. That was his opponent of choice. And that was also the natural, um, uh, just progression. And I don't know if we had done something with Steve yet at this point in Brett, but that was somebody that Brett definitely wanted to work with. And also looking at to further Steve at that point, everybody wanted to work with Steve. Steve was the guy Sean had, you know, gone around and worked with Steve and was like, put me in a program with that guy. Everybody wanted to work with Steve. Let's talk about uh, a superstars taping. We see Owen Hart defeat flex Kavana. Um, who the fuck is Flex Cavana? Uh, he's going to become the Rock one day. Yeah, Rock Flex Cavana. Yeah, Flex Cavana. Yeah, that was the name that he, Rock used in Memphis. You know, oftentimes we would see reports that Sean Waltman, as the one, two, three kid, was sort of the measuring stick of a newcomer. So if somebody new was coming into the quote unquote territory, they have a match with Mr. Waltman. They come back through the curtain, and then he gives his two cents, his report as to whether or not they quote unquote got it. Was Owen Hart able to give a positive report here, do you think? Or I mean, obviously, we know he's a blue chipper. We know he's going to be a big star. But was there any hesitation at first glance? I'd definitely take Owen's word. No, there, to me, there was never any hesitation on Dwayne at all. From the Observer, Pat Patterson will do commentary on some of the IC tourney matches under the guise that he was the first IC champion. When he came out, they played the stripper music as some sort of an inside joke. This feels like a Bruce Pritchard rib all day, does it not? It's a French thing, French Canadian thing. Now you're just bullshitting. Why? No. So when Kevin Owens comes out one day, y'all might just play that da na 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 all that stripper music. Maybe. Okay. <sighs> it's gonna, gonna be, be from French Canada. Can we get you on an earlier flight? You think? I Maybe. hope so. I do too. On August twenty fourth, you run the. Let me check. That'd be great. The uh, Exhibition Stadium in I'm Toronto sure. with Sean uh, taking on Goldust in a ladder match. Unbelievably, you guys draw, I didn't really mean to check, <laughs> 21,211 fans, a gigantic crowd for you. What do you remember about this Exhibition Stadium show? 21,000. It's probably the biggest show of 1996 for y'all. Yes, yeah, pretty big. Just go ahead and get that fucking flight booked. <laughs> we'll just we'll talk about dick pills and just get on out of here. <laughs> Come on, you got me anything on this? Do you remember this big show? It's it's rare for y'all to have a crowd that size in this era. No, yeah, it was. You know, look, Toronto was always a great market. Toronto liked to run those those big events every year, and this was kind of around the time. I I don't know if Carl 
DeMarco was all the way in yet at this point. Yeah, actually, he was. And it was just, it was during the time that uh, Toronto was a great market. And every once in a while, we'll throw a big event. I, I think if you would go through and look at it and you were to ask um, Carl, Carl looked at every single event that he had in Toronto, which ran pretty much every other month at least. Every show was WrestleMania. Autumn's in the air, the pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming, if you know what I'm saying. Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and with their brand new fourth generation performance package. Boys get ready for cuffing season like no other. Ready to take the leap when the fall with Manscaped? Join the two million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code wrestle 20. I'm telling you folks, when it comes time for the great reveal, they're going to love that you use manscaped. It's time to bundle up with manscapes performance package 4.0 inside this package. You'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver, ball deodorant, the crop reviver toner, the performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the new Performance Package 4.0 includes the new Lawnmower 4.0. If you're looking to cozy up this fall, this trimmer is essential. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave, plus it's waterproof. The Performance Package 4.0 includes the Weed Whacker, to chop your worst weeds up in the top of your nose and of course in your ear this nose and ear hair trimmer uses a 9000 rpm motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system to provide proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks snags and tugs and all your little delicate holes seal the deal with manscapes liquid formulations the ball the crop prefer- <laughs> The crop preserver is what they call their ball deodorant, and it tickles me every time. Everyone knows pumpkin spice lattes and ball deodorant go hand in hand. Then, after trimming the pumpkin patch and whacking the leaves, give your balls a boost and use the crop reviver. We can all use that at our advanced age. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts in their performance package 4.0, the Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. Get comfy on the home and on the go this season. Hey, and get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code WRESTLE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code WRESTLE20 at manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall. Choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. That damn ball deodorant gets me every time. There's a lot of talk at the time of Davey Boy Smith's contract coming up and him being in talks with WCW. Allegedly, um, it was reported in the Observer that he might be in consideration to be another member of the NWO. But Eric recently claimed on 83 Weeks that he was in no talks with Davey to come to WCW in this era, that perhaps someone else on the team may have been, but Eric had no knowledge of an idea to bring Davey over. Do you remember thinking that was a concern that Davey might leave? I know that he wasn't necessarily thrilled with the creative with him and Sean and 
Unfortunately, Davy's wife was involved, and I think maybe he was concerned that his kids at school might be ridiculed or what have you. Was Davy a concern in this era? You know, I think anybody, when you're looking at they're involved in a program and you've got top stars, you want to keep your top stars. Um, It just always amazes me being 2020 because when guys are in it, um, the the whole Davy – Sean program was something everybody knew up front. Everybody was all gung-ho. Then they get into it and they get cold feet. And then all of a sudden, I never liked it in the first place. And um, I didn't want to do it. Uh, It's revisionist history on on their part. But when you're in it, um, I didn't say anything. Oh, well, I didn't want to say anything. Well, then bullshit. They don't say anything after the fact either. So, from The Observer, Bret Hart was originally scheduled to return for the 922 Mind Games pay-per-view to do an interview segment, which would lead to an angle to build up his match with Austin. However, that has yet to be announced for the show, and we've received unconfirmed reports that Hart will still be in South Africa filming the new Sinbad television show. Do you remember that being the original plan that you wanted to tease the interview segment? Because it was, it was certainly plugged on TV and promoted that way that we were going to get an answer and then sort of shuffled aside. Is this the left hand not talking to the right hand, or did you take it as more of a Brett trying to negotiate a little more? No, it was a scheduling conflict. It was one thing where they needed to do more shooting down there, and Brett needed to stay longer. It was I got at you. one point, yeah, hey, man, I can make it. And then another point, oh, shit, shooting's behind. I got to stay. I got you. Um, let's mention. I know that, the truth's not as good as. Oh my god! No, was, no. What, what do they? What do they call reshoots? Is it just reshoots? There's another industry term for that. Is there not? But well, either reshoot or they've just got to extend the shooting. So Jim Helwig, your boy, filed an unfair termination and trademark infringement lawsuit against Titan Sports on August 28th, stemming from his dismissal after he missed three house shows. On June 28th, June 29th, and June 30th. We've covered this in the archives, but man, there's just so much going on here. You know, with you've got some guys leaving and showing up on the other show and they're catching fire and you're being preempted and you're trying to establish Sean and you're trying to bring Brett back. And uh, now Davey might be looking to leave, Warrior suing you. There's a lot of moving parts here, more than there were, say, a year prior. Fair to say? There were a lot of moving parts. There's always a lot of moving parts, some more public than others. Uh, in the Observer, it's reported that Brackus was offered a deal and signed, but Kurt Angle was offered a deal and yet to agree. Boy, yeah. those are uh, two different ends of the spectrum there. We don't talk about Brackus a lot. Bruce, chat me up. Brockus was a big bodybuilder from Germany, and he was about as wide as he was tall. Had to turn sideways to walk into a door. He was very, very wide, uh, big shoulders, and he was German. And um, there's that. Brockus had very little athletic ability beyond uh, making his muscles look pretty, which I'm sure Dave Meltzer probably was very fond of. Well, you mean Vince McMahon? Vince McMahon is no, the Dave guy. Meltzer who, too. He's into those that bodybuilding no, stuff. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, he is. Meltzer pushes uh, matches. No, I'm saying in, in his personal little life. Right. I'm talking about Vince McMahon throwing money after a bodybuilder here. Didn't throw a lot of money at him. 
At all. I didn't say he threw a lot of money you at him. You said he throws him through money at him like it was a lot of money. He didn't throw money at him. made him an offer. He had a very unique look. And he was German. And he spoke German. And we were looking to uh, do a lot more international in Europe and looking for a German superstar. In Germany, he was a name. But he didn't have any athletic ability, really. And it was... Uh, and that's Meltzer's fault because y'all signed a dud, right? No, I'm saying Meltzer should have loved this guy. He couldn't work a lick. You have you got to decide which which what hill you want to die on. Either Meltzer wants five star matches and the Tokyo Dome, or no, no, he wants no, no. bodybuilders. Want five so can't matches. be both. Meltzer wants his friends to have five star matches of what he thinks a five star match is. I don't even know what the fuck a five star match is, um, or anything else. But um, he likes his little shit. But now you think he likes bodybuilders? I know he likes bodybuilders. Okay. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing, waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever to the naked eye trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are. And they can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop over a mile to stop by that time it's too late. And the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. And if the signals are on, the train is on its way and you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. So from the observer, quote, there is still underlying heat between Michaels and Jim Cornette and also Jim Ross. Apparently Michaels feels he's drawing the big houses, but the booking is outdated and he resents Cornette who works in the office. Um, chat me up. What do you remember about Sean and Jim Cornette? Did their problems start at SummerSlam? Or did, is that just where it sort of came to a head? It probably came to a head. I don't think that either guy really cared for the other um, at, at any point. And did Cornette not like his style of wrestling, or did he just think his attitude out of the ring was too diva-ish? I think that Corny probably felt Sean's attitude outside of the ring was something that you know didn't correspond with his liking, and and vice versa. Uh, you know, Sean. With Cornette, probably wasn't crazy about Cornette's attitude outside of the ring either. Uh, but both guys had a lot of talent in front of the camera. And both guys are very opinionated, especially exactly. in that era. Yeah. Uh, the South African tour, which is upcoming and headlined by Bret Hart, is almost sold out. Uh, Bret's still a major draw internationally. Probably the biggest in the in the whole business at that point. Would you agree? Absolutely. Bret was, you know, hitting his stride. And Bret was somebody uh, internationally, as we, we always go back to and say, the reason that Bret got the initial run as WWE champion was because of his international appeal. Uh, Meltzer would report, the body Donnas are no more. Zip is being taken off the road and will work as a trainer for guys like Mark Henry. And uh, Albrecht probably said that wrong. And anyone else they sign, Skip is injured. And when he comes back, it'll be with a new gimmick and probably as a heel. Was Tom ready to come off the road or was this a company decision? Uh, both. I, I think that Tom was. I don't know that Tom really wanted to come off the road. I, I think that he was tired of taking bumps and tired of the travel, uh, especially up there. But at the same time, there was an opportunity. 
we needed a trainer. We needed someone to be able to come in and take some of these new guys, uh, the Mark Henrys, the Occam Albrechts of the world that we were going to bring in. And instead of sending them somewhere that you can't keep an eye on them with somebody that you don't know. Give them to somebody you know. Like give them to trust. somebody you know in a place where you can see them. The other thing I wanted to mention there is, you know, there's a term we use in the real estate business on an appraisal called the highest and best use. And I think you could argue the highest and best use of Tom Pritchard in this era was training the next crop of superstars, not necessarily being one half of the body Donis. Absolutely. I think Tom's best trainer in the business. Shout out to the uh, Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy in Knoxville, Tennessee. Anything else we want to say there? I don't know their website or anything off the top of my head. This is where you're supposed to transition. Right. I know. Okay. I'm trying to think of it. Well, but, Google hey, that shit, y'all. JPWA, Jacob Pritchard Wrestling Academy, folks. Look it up in Google. What's funny is we're sitting side by side in my living room, and I look at him, and he gives me this stare back like, what the fuck do you want me to say? And I'm like, well, I just plugged it. I thought you'd sell it. And Oh, yeah, we forgot the website. But you know what to do. Just type it in your Google machine. Uh, from the observer quote, undertaker missed the weekend house shows due to a staff infection in his arm. He cut the arm open during the boiler room match on eight eighteen, and it apparently got infected over labor day weekend. when he worked some shots in Puerto Rico for Carlos Colon? He was hospitalized and pumped full of IV fluids to kill the infection, but wasn't well in time to make the shots. There is a chance he'll be ready for this weekend's shows, but it's still a day to day deal. With Undertaker off the tour, they brought in Mark Henry and, of all people, Cowboy Bill Watts to work angles with Mankind. Henry worked in Austin, Houston, and Dallas and ended up being uh, a victim of, uh, or, or placing the bear hug, rather, on Mankind. Not sure what exact angle Watts did in Oklahoma City. I believe Watts did an interview where he talked about how great the WWF was. And then Paul Bear came out. Watts ended up slapping him in the face. Mankind jumps in, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it was described as the same angle Watts did with Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express in early 84, which is probably the biggest house show run in the history of Mid-South Wrestling. A lot to unpack here, but Mark Henry being involved here as like a, I don't know, a stand-in for The Undertaker. Uh, nice use of him here. Throw a bear hug on mankind, right? Yeah, and especially in Austin, where he was from, University of Texas. Mark was a big name there, world's strongest man. So locally, that's going to get you some buzz uh, to, to throw out there and do something a little different, unique. And there's a morbid curiosity of what the hell is going to happen. And then, of course, your boy, um, Jim Ross, he probably had a hand in this whole Watts thing, right? Yeah, I'm sure he did. Oh, damn, cowboy. You put the cowboy out there in Tulsa and just have, have the cowboy go out there and get a big draw on him and put the claw on him and shit. He, he ain't going to sell shit. See that right now. Is that really the way you remember it that JR suggested Bill? Or was, yeah. Okay. And Bill was easy to work with as far as you heard? I know you I don't know if Bill's ever been easy to work with. All right. I think Bill was happy to to go out and do something in his uh, in his hometown and get a payday. Yeah, why not? If you don't have to go anywhere and you get some cash, why not? Yeah, leave the house, go out for a few hours, and come home with some cash in your pocket. So as we get ready to close uh, um, the the go home run for mind games, the talk at the time is that 
the WWF is not responding too well to the idea that their former Razor and Diesel characters are still available, but the guys who played them are on the other channel. So they have Jim Ross go on TV and announce that Diesel and Razor are going to be returning. And I believe the story is this was actually Jerry McDivitt's idea, right? It was uh, spurned over a telephone call one weekend over the fact that we own Razor and Diesel. Right. We created Razor and Diesel. You didn't own Hall and Nash, but you owned Razor and Diesel. Yeah, we, we owned Razor and Diesel. Right. And uh, so we could put anybody we want in there, no different than movie and a television show. You look at Bewitched, how many Darren Stevens were there? Um, I don't know. I'm 40. Well, okay. Well, I'm sorry. A uh, lot of di- different television shows have had a lot of different characters play title fucking characters before, and they just put them in with no explanation at all. I bet they syndicate those shows sometimes. I bet they do too. Not anymore. <laughs> Uh, how did JR feel about being asked to turn heel and inch? Well, no, let's pause on the heel thing, but you're saying, all right, just go out there and say, we're going to bring out a new razor and diesel. That feels like Jim Ross's eyes would have bugged out and said, the fuck. I'm sure JR didn't like it. I'm sure he probably felt that it was a shit pit poor idea. Well, here's my thing. I guess once upon a time, there was a. A school of thought in certain territories, especially in the South, you don't touch the announcers. The announcers have to have credibility with the audience, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and here now we're going to have one of our more credible voices in wrestling at the time. Is he? He was a 96. Oh, okay. You disagree? I just said, is he? What? I, I, I can't ask questions. Could you see Gordon Soley doing this? Sure. Okay. Go ahead. Wait a minute. Holy shit, man. Goddamn Gordon Soley was part of Lottie Piper's turn. He was a part of the fucking thing in Continental. Gordon Soley has been part of many angles. So Rick Bogner, Glenn Jacobs, we know everything worked out for Glenn Jacobs. He's been on the roster. Y'all tried a terrible dentist gimmick. So why not just throw this horse shit at him too? But Rick Bogner, how did that one come Isaac Yankum DDS. I Yankum DDS. That's fucking awesome, man. I'm a dentist. I Yankum. Yeah, I got you, Bobby Heenan. Rick okay. Bogner. You want to touch on him Rick one more Bogner time? Rick Bogner, this is actually a Paul Heyman idea. Paul Heyman says, I got a guy sitting in the ECW locker room does a better Razor Ramon than Scott Hall could ever do. That's a quote. So really? Well, shit. How, how did that come up? You and he were just bouncing ideas off each other? Cause that's no, he was just talking one day, and he told me about this guy, Rick Bogner, and his, would always come in and do a, a Razor imitation. Got it. And we're talking, and I'm like, well, by God, that's a fucking coincidence. And uh, went back and said, hey, man, this Rick Bogner guy you were telling me about. Actually, I think Paul told me about it before we were going to do the uh, the Razor Diesel gimmick. And I recalled that, and it was very, very recent in those conversations. I was like, son of a bitch, may have a guy. So I said, hey, get me Rick Bogner. I think Rick was in Calgary at the time. On Raw Championship Friday, an interesting segment airs where Jerry Lawler's in the ring with the new signee, Mark Henry, and he refers to the Olympics and Jake Roberts and that they have something in common. They both bombed. 
Yeah, that would be uh, pretty pretty accurate, I think. Uh, I don't even know if Mark actually... I know Mark was there for the Olympics. He, he plays 14 out of 14. Uh, Mark had an injury and wasn't unable to do anything. Still the world's strongest man. That's... Uh... Yeah, but we're referencing the bombing in the Olympics. Oof. There was no bombing at the Olympics. In 96, you ignorant fucking Atlanta. Richard Jewell. Yeah, but he didn't do it. He Just saying, you heard the story. That was in July. This is August. Yeah, that's bad. It's a little soon. <laughs> a little that soon. Just shit. Have you ever looked at your credit card statement and been shocked by the interest rate? Did you know you could actually roll all of your credit card debt into one monthly payment at a lower fixed rate, lower your interest rate and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Rates start at 5.93% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. Plus the rate is fixed. So it'll never go up over the life of the loan. And you can get a loan from 5,000 to a hundred thousand dollars. And there are absolutely no fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. And right now, just for my listeners, you can apply now and get a special interest rate discount and save even more. Now, the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash wrestle. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash wrestle. Of course, this is subject to credit approval. Rates range from 5.93% APR to 19.99% APR, and it includes a half a percent auto pay discount. The lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. That's lightstream.com slash wrestle. Uh, so the stalker debuts and defeats T.O. Hopper. <laughs> Boy, what a sentence this era of WWF is. Um, what's the story behind the holdup of Sean Waltman's release for WCW on your side of things? They had teased it a few times or felt like it was going to happen a few times. And I think you guys were saying, Nope, he's not technically able yet. Were you just trying to do whatever you could? Uh, that doesn't, I don't know. What do you remember? God, I honestly, I have, I have no recollection of that at all. I don't so, think that Sean had even worked for us for a while or was so, injured or something, but I, I have no recollection of that at all. The next week on Raw, the Sultan debuts with Bob Backlund and the Iron Sheik with a win over Jake Roberts. This is a big reintroduction for the future Rikishi. How did Backlund and Sheik feel about working together? You talk about two totally different human beings. <laughs> Every end of the spectrum was covered there. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny, man. For Fatu and... and Vince had this idea, you know, and saw him. So what if we do this, this get up and, uh, junior was all into it and thinking, oh man, this, this will be great. It's a whole new life. And, and he was so much easier to get him to shave his head and do that gimmick than it was to bleach his hair and do the Rikishi gimmick. And you look at which one. Which one hit? You know, really, really hit. And the, and the damn Rikishi one, man, that was two trips I personally made to Memphis to 
talk him into that idea. And, and finally it was, you know what, junior, if we don't do this, then I, I think we're kind of out of, we're kind of out of, uh, ideas at this point. And he came back in and did it and look what it did. Sapphire passes away on September 10th. What are your favorite memories of working with Juanita Wright? Man, you know, I knew Juanita from the WFIA days, and that was the Wrestling Fans International Association. It was a group of wrestling fans that were uh, had, a, had a little, for lack of a better term, a fan club. And the WFIA would hold a convention in some territory every year. And believe it or not, there were places that really would vie to have this convention uh, in their territory. And they would come in and give awards to all the local wrestlers, Rookie of the Year, Superstar of the Year, all that good stuff. And Juanita was a, a big part of that. She was, she was just a fan from St. Louis that would travel around. And uh, she worked a little bit of independence in the Kansas City, St. Louis area. Uh, Terry Garvin knew of her, and you know we we brought her in to be Dusty's little Miss Sapphire. But um, I, I just remember Juanita from the WFIA stuff, and she was never in a bad mood. Always a joy to be around, and we had an awful lot of fun. And she slapped the living shit out of me uh, more than eight times. More than eight times. Yeah. Then out of nowhere, we've talked about this before, J.J. Dillon is going to resign from the World Wrestling Federation. He's been uh, involved in talent relations, and um, Meltzer would write, the news came as a shock, apparently, to Vince McMahon, although there had been rumors of it for several weeks since Dillon had gone to Orlando. At the same time, WCW was doing tapings. This represents... Uh, an opportunity in the inner workings of the WWF at the time. Does it not? How you figure? Well, uh, as, <laughs> as the rumor goes, you thought you might like that idea of being involved in that capacity and then maybe didn't love it. Don't look at me with that little fucking smirk on your face. Well, I mean, I no, think it, you it, told you know, me. First of all, first of all, to, to, to again, uh, set the record straight, there were no rumors of JJ leaving. Uh, it was a total shock. It was a total shock. And 100% total shock. And it happened, and, and it happened shock. right before uh, Shane's wedding, right? Yes. Yes. And from what I understand, you know, this is, um, this is something that I think Scott Hall gets the credit for where he perhaps pitched Eric on, Hey, maybe JJ. And it happened after they literally just ran into each other at a park in Orlando where JJ had taken his young children there, blah, blah, blah. And so they have a conversation. I think JJ had felt slighted when the quote unquote wrestling people took a pay cut when things were lean with, for the world wrestling federation, but the non wrestling people did not, uh, he had probably overextended himself on a mortgage and whatnot. And he was looking for an opportunity gone to, to save with Conrad. He should have gone to save Conrad. I appreciate that. He was probably looking for an opportunity to just, man, let me get out of this because, and I don't think we can stress this enough. 
being in talent relations, especially being the head of talent relations for a major wrestling company is not going to make you the most favorite person of anyone in the organization, whether it's other office personnel and certainly not talent because good news, but mostly bad news comes from that person, right? Yeah. It's the most difficult job in, in the company <laughs> and other than creative. And, uh, it, it's, it's not something that people are clamoring to do, but yeah, JJ's leaving was a complete shock. It was a complete shock to me. I never heard any rumors and I was right next to it. Um, and I think Eric Bischoff would probably tell you a little different version, uh, other than the Scott Hall version. Uh, maybe Scott Hall is the one that brought it to Eric, but it was after the fact and it was at, it was along the lines of, Hey, give this guy a job. He's got, you know, a twins, kid, young blah, kids blah, blah, blah. and so on and so forth. Um, and that Eric didn't want to give him a job and finally did. But, uh, you know, yeah, it was, it was a complete, complete shock, uh, left yeah, it, a void in the company. And when it leaves a void in the company. Was that something you thought you wanted to try to tackle? It was something I did not want to try to tackle at all. But you were tasked with it. I was tasked with it. And as they used to say on In Living Color, you hated it. Wasn't a big fan of it then. I think that, you know... Um, it's not as fun as creative. That's for damn sure. It's not as fun as creative. And I was... Um, I didn't, I didn't like being in the office all the time uh, at that time. And, you know, you're going back... God, 25 years or whatever it is, um, I was a completely different person. And I don't think that I had the discipline, nor did I have the wherewithal and want to do everything that was required to do that job properly. Uh, to me, I found it, you know, just tedious. And I wasn't good at, at administrative things. So it wasn't something that appealed to me at all. I did it because I was asked to do it and I did it. Um, it was like explained to me that when you play on a baseball team, you may be the, uh, best first baseman in the world, but if I need you in the outfield, you need you to play in the outfield. Look, we're all adults here. And some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind after a long day. Lucy nicotine is a company that was created to help nicotine users find a cleaner option and feel better about the ways they consume nicotine. Their latest product is slim nicotine pouches, which contain pure synthetic nicotine and provide the same satisfaction that nicotine users expect without any tobacco at all. Lucy Slim Pouches use the newest technology for synthesizing pure nicotine in the lab, none of the tobacco, and all of the nicotine satisfaction. Lucy Slim Pouches include both coconut oil and gum base to provide a soft, fluffy texture that enhances the flavor and doesn't dry out your mouth. They come in three strengths, 4, 8, and 12 milligrams, and they have three exclusive and delicious flavors, spearmint, mango, and cool cider. This has been a game changer for some folks in my life who have found now a cleaner way to get their nicotine fix. Prior to this, man, everything in their life was determined by, well, you know, we had to figure out whose car we were taking, what restaurants we could go to, what hotels we would stay at. Not anymore. Slim nicotine pouches have been a game changer. It's 2021. Don't compromise when you're choosing your nicotine products. Go with the newest tobacco-free options from Lucy. 
something to wrestle with listeners go to lucy.co and use promo code wrestle to get 20% off your order of lucy slim pouches or any other lucy products that's lucy.co and use the promo code wrestle at checkout also i have to give this disclaimer warning this product contains non-tobacco nicotine nicotine is an addictive chemical lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code wrestle so let's let's talk about some other changes in the office another front office change in the wwf is the addition of jake roberts to the booking committee roberts has been pushing for this for several months the way the structure is set up right now roberts will join Cornette as the assistant to bruce pritchard who writes the television shows despite other people taking heat for the booking the booker has and always will be vince mcmahon Although Pritchard, Cornette, Ross, and Briscoe certainly have a hand in coming up with ideas, it's still McMahon's decision on what ideas are going to be implemented and how. The role for other people has always been to take the heat, which is actually a role historically in wrestling where many major promoters of the past actually did their own booking and storylines. They would use a loyal wrestler as their booker to deliver the messages and thus take the heat from people who aren't happy with their push, which is 95% of the guys in wrestling. So... What do you make of this report that Jake was going to be your assistant? Jake was not going to be my assistant in any way, shape, or form. Jake was coming on to be a part of the creative team and help us write TV and be able to help with finishes. Jake had a great mind. I'm sure still does have a great mind for the business. And we were looking to utilize that and get everything that we could out of him. But uh, it was to be able to help with the agents and help with the talent uh, from a talent perspective. So chat me up about nor was Cornette, my assistant. Yeah. I was going to say, let's just skip that. Cause we know that's not true. Uh, September 14th, Shane is married to Marissa boy, two Titans right here. Literally. Uh, you talk about families. Were you at that wedding? What do you remember about Shane's wedding? It was a beautiful wedding at the Pierre hotel in uh, New York was the reception and the, uh, after party or whatever, it was a beautiful ceremony and one hell of a night. And I got to uh, uh, share most of that evening with Freddie Blassie and his beautiful wife um, in tuxedos and had a, a, just an absolute blast. But to me, the, the most fun out of that night was the time that we got to spend with Freddie. And just it was it's. Freddie's always fun to be around. Oh, what a guy like Freddie, you know, we've heard, you know, other, uh, quote unquote, old timers would somehow have nicknames for Vince, like Caesar, uh, would, would a guy like Freddie refer to Shane as the kid or something like that? No, Fred, Freddie had so much love and respect for, for the entire McMahon family, genuine love. And, and Freddie was a very genuine man. Um, he just was as straightforward and and kind as they came. Uh, supposedly, Stalker versus Crush was supposed to happen at Mind Games, but it doesn't. Do you think it was decided against, or is it just cut for time? I have no idea. Probably no idea. Let's talk about Mind Games in Philadelphia. It's the first wrestling show in what's now known as the Wells Fargo Center. Of course, at the time, Philly is the home of ECW and Mick Foley is main eventing in his first WWF pay-per-view and it's a world title match. 
And man, what an unlikely story it was. You know, he debuted right after WrestleMania on Raw. Very quickly is programmed with The Undertaker. And the historical significance of him beating The Undertaker and doing it at SummerSlam and in a brawl like that. And he took Paul Bearer. And now he's headlining for the world title. This has got to be just a dream for Mick Foley at the time. Sure. It's a Cinderella story all the way. Yeah. And it was something that I, I think that a lot of people wouldn't have expected it. You come on in and beat the undertaker right away. And probably one of the most unconventional opponents for Sean that you could pick. And I think everybody saw that, that this was like, oh, this wouldn't be your normal ascension. The show got pretty good reviews in the Wrestling Observer. 79.1% thumbs up, 12.4% uh, thumbs down, 8.4% thumbs in the middle. But before the show starts, something big happens. Let's go to the Observer. Several weeks ago, Vince McMahon contacted Paul Heyman about the two sides working together against their mutual enemy, which would make sense since the pay-per-view show was scheduled for Philadelphia. The two worked out their own fake shoot and kept it pretty much hush-hush, where Heyman, Dreamer, and Sandman attended the pay-per-view show and briefly got involved, and it was barely mentioned because if it was pushed harder, hardcore fans would see it was an angle. This epitomized the biggest problem facing the industry today. It's not that working an angle with ECW was a bad idea. It's a no-lose situation for ECW, provided its wrestlers don't end up jobbing out for the WWF because it gets them more exposure. It can be a positive for the WWF, in fact. It's something that the group needs to turn up the heat. But both sides, both Heyman and McMahon, were more concerned about putting together an angle that would fool people, which, in fact, they largely accomplished rather than an angle that would do business and spike the ratings, which was supposed to be the idea of the whole thing. The fact was to the casual fan watching the pay-per-view show, they didn't even remember that Sandman threw a beer at Vega and smashed a beer can on his head and juiced since it happened in a nothing opening match. And they don't know who those guys are to begin with. It was never acknowledged or pushed in commentary as they were more concerned with fooling smart fans rather than getting something over. And many more angles took place on the show, which climaxed with a tremendous match. The next day, several wrestling officials had fooled themselves, ironically, because such a large percentage of people who gave them immediate response didn't think it was an angle, and super hardcore WBF fans in Philadelphia Live were furious at ECW, and that proved it was successful, forgetting that the majority of people, because it wasn't pushed as an angle, didn't even know it took place. The internet and hotline response to this as the lead story in wrestling confused people into thinking it would mean something to television ratings the next night, but actually Heyman played it right. His audience will know about it on their television and he'll play it up big. If his group gets over as a renegade group, exactly how he's positioned itself, particularly with how much more high profile the NWO around and he no, no longer has the monopoly on that market. The next night, ECW crashed WWF on the live raw with Taz jumping over the guardrail with a sign that says Sabu fears Taz. It was again blown off. Although given a minute of commentary with Ross talking about a promotion that runs in the bingo hall, looking for their 15 minutes of fame, actually a lot more happened after they cut immediately to a commercial, which was a Heyman demand. So it didn't look like it was supposed to happen, including McMahon screaming <laughs> about not letting it happen. And it got over great in Hershey PA with the fans chanting, we want Taz after the commercial break. 
So this is a pretty famous story. You've told it before. We'll tell it again. Now. Uh, I know that, um, your old pal Briscoe was upset with you for a little bit. Tell us how this deal came together and what you make of Meltzer's assessment that maybe it was quote unquote too inside. Well, first of all, as usual, Meltzer's wrong. It was never meant to be an interpromotional, uh, angle in any way, shape or form that it was something that we did to help Paul get some national exposure for his first pay-per-view. Uh, we had talked, we were coming to Philadelphia, the Philadelphia fans, always very passionate. Um, man, you can't take that away from them because they, they, they love their sports teams and they let you know who they love. Um, always. And the ECW contingent was a very loud vocal contingent. The idea was Paul needed help. For ECW, locally in Philadelphia, but also nationally. The idea was to do something that was, quote, not supposed to happen, that would create some local buzz, then be able to bring it back. Look, you think more people are going to see it on the pay-per-view versus the free-for-all? More people would watch the free-for-all than would watch the pay-per-view, frankly. Of course. So, again, another reason why Dave Meltzer is wrong and stupid Um, but then from there, you're going to get more eyeballs on television the next night as well. The idea was to to do a little something, uh, have them come in, cause a disturbance, get thrown out right off the bat. Folks. Hey, these guys came down. Uh, I came down during, you know, before the show and had a chat with Paul, um, And, you know, people are like going, oh, God, you know, uh, for those who know. And again, we were looking for Paul for that local market, for that local market buzz, because he wanted to create a big event. We were going to help him. Did the deal, did the deal in the free for all. Again, where more people would see it than the pay-per-view to help him out um, and move on. Uh, Because if it were real and if you really did do that we wouldn't mention it so it was presented as reality based as you possibly could at the time uh and with that being said no one was to be smartened up because we wanted real reactions and what i didn't really anticipate i didn't anticipate uh first of all i did but i didn't um Goofy Sandman going as far as he did. Um, but you mean spitting the beer? No, banging the damn beer on his head and all that stuff. Um, but look, we had security, everybody was ready. And I said, Look, if they do anything, throw them out. I said, if They do one thing, throw them out. And I told Paul, I said, Get thrown out. I said, don't get in a fight with anybody. Don't do anything. I said, get your ECW chant going. Do all the shit that you need to do. I said, but, you know, don't, definitely don't fight anybody. And so they do their deal where they throw the beer and uh, Savio's there and Savio's got Bradshaw. And our people come down and they're taking them out and I'm getting into it with Paul and here comes Jerry Briscoe and Jerry is ready to 
kill somebody. And Jerry jumps over the damn barricade to go after him. And I see fire in Jerry's eyes. And I grab Jerry. And I said, get up there and hook Paul and tell Paul, <laughs> Bruce said, <laughs> to get the hell out of there. Um, and Jerry just shot me a look like. No, you have a code word. Way out of stupid code word, Bachwinkle. Yeah. Yeah. Was, that was Paul. We must have a code word. Um, and when he said Bachwinkle, that, when you said Bachwinkle, oh that's God. when Jerry looked at Jerry you. Jerry like, looked at me fuck? like, you motherfucker. Um, and at that moment, I, I knew Jerry wanted to kill me. And um, I was thankful I was on the other side of the barricade. So they all they all went up and they got everybody out of there. So I came to the back and I come to the back and the whole locker room is basically on the other side of Gorilla with Taker in front. And Taker grabs me, puts his arm around me, and we go in Vince's office. And he says, hey, man, you almost had a real bad scene there. I goes, you got to let me know you're going to do shit like that. I said, okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Um because the boys were ready to go out sure. and, and do whatever they had. They and, thought and, it was a fight for real. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you guys want to come make a name for yourself? Well, that's cool. We'll, we'll make a name for you. Hey, uh, ECW uh, local renegade wrestling crew gets their ass whooped by WWE talent. Um, and it just, yeah, it was it was not. And then Briscoe came back and I said, hey, I need to talk. He goes, yeah, yeah I, got, you, I got nothing to say to you. Oh. Jerry and I didn't talk for a few days. He was pretty pissed. So the only him? people that knew about it were me, Paul, Vince, um, and Shawn Michaels was uh, in Vince's office when I had the conversation on the phone with, with Paul, so Shawn knew. So by now you figured out that old Brucey is in town here in Huntsville, and I don't know who the hell vacations in Huntsville, but he did. As soon as he walked through the front door, though, he saw something sitting on my little foyer table, and he said, hey, is that solid gold? Of course it is. Solid gold is the only way to take care of our pets. Bruce and I really believe in it. And I've just found out this trip. I had heard the rumor and innuendo, but uh, Mrs. Pritchard really is the puppy whisperer. And these dogs love her because she's taking good care of them. She's getting them solid gold. You need a solid gold pet. If you really love your pet, man, I can't recommend solid gold enough. They have a founding belief and their platform is whole is all based on this. But high quality food is the best way to impact our pet's mind, body, and spirit. And it's little things that you need to know, like 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut. So if we're feeding our dogs the right stuff, they're just going to have a better lifestyle. They're going to have a better existence. They're going to have a better quality of life. We're not just talking about their immune system, but their overall wellness and a healthy digestive system. Man, it's paramount with that. For over 45 years now, Solid Gold has revolutionized what's called the holistic pet food category. Now they've even got a recipe for every dog and every cat's dietary need. Check this out. You can get healthy whole grain, even grain-free options, wet food, supplements like sea meal, and 100% human-grade bone broth for dogs. Solid Gold foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, they balance with living probiotics, and they fuel with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids, supporting gut health and nourishing your pet inside and out. Right now, to save 30% on select Solid Gold products, go to solidgoldpet.com wrestle. That's solidgoldpet.com wrestle to save 30% on select Solid Gold products. Remember, solidgoldpet.com wrestle. So the Philly show draws 11,900. Well, let me, let me take a time out there. If you had it to do over again, would you do that? 
ACW bit? Yeah, I'd do it. I'd smarten people up. Any chance you do something like that in the future? With ECW? <laughs> yes. Well, they, no, just in general. No. What do you no, think? No, because again, you know, you think back and, and it's. <laughs> you felt like you were playing underdog and you had, uh, like when you're. I, it's just, it, it's, you, you look back on it and, and sometimes it's just, it's just silly. But again, the, the whole purpose of doing it was, was to help ECW out and uh, be able to get some buzz for their pay per view coming up. The show in Philly draws 11,969 paid. There's about 15,000 fans in the house, a gate of $210,290. By the way, all of that is a record for an in-your-house show. Um, You're welcome. And, hey, it's the first wrestling show in that building. Uh, on the free-for-all, Jerry Lawler and Mark Henry have an interview segment where Lawler slaps Henry and walks off. Uh, Savio Vega is going to beat Marty Jannetty and uh, Bradshaw and Uncle Zeb are going to go ahead and jump Savio and challenge him to a strap match on the pay-per-view. And uh, the show opens with this write-up from the Observer. Um, blah, blah, blah. Match itself was mainly a backdrop for the ECW angle. Sandman, Dreamer, and Heyman were ringside. Sandman threw his beer at Vega, smashes the beer can on his own head, and juiced lit a cigarette while security let all three off off camera, but very noticeable to the live fans, Sandman dreamer and Heyman were calling attention to themselves at ringside to the point of the show. And Heyman kept giving the finger to McMahon and McMahon was giving him dirty looks back. A lot of people live thought this was all a shoot after the match. They did a faraway shot of the new razor and diesel attacking Vega in the locker room after the match. Even in the faraway shot, it seemed obvious it wasn't Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Although the clip was so far away and so sudden in and out of focus, uh, it's doubtful the majority of those watching picked up on that. At this point, McMahon acknowledged that Ross wasn't just making up a story, positioning himself in the babyface role when the fans turned on the angle, which of course will be blamed on Ross. McMahon later in the show was more skeptical when Ross brought the subject up. Ross slipped in a mention of McMahon's indictment and the two had a few minor uh, arguments over who was better, Owen or Davey. And McMahon even made mention that he thought Ross's statements about Razor and Diesel were nothing but a stunt to garner TV ratings, acknowledging all the negative reaction and acting like he agreed with the negative reaction of the angle uh, and therefore positioning himself as the babyface. So it does seem clear at this point Hey, we're going to try Jim Ross as a heel. Was he excited to have a, a, a bigger role on TV? Or again, was this something where he's like, I just want to call wrestling and that's going to fuck that up for well, me. I think Jim would like to be the champion and the lead play-by-play guy and the biggest baby face in the company. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, I say that and I'm not being facetious in that. I just think that Jim, Jim would like to be um, John Wayne. Sure. In that regard, Jim Jim wants to be the the guy that kills everybody at the end and walks away with the leading lady and and be the be the top guy. And I don't think that Jim Jim doesn't like to be booed. So Jim wants you to love him, and I think that. Uh, you know, in that regard, Jim wasn't comfortable being a heel. Some people don't like, you know, don't embrace the hate. You love the hate. I do love the hate. Talking about the uh, 
the ECW angle, you've told us before that Bradshaw was fucking fired up. How was Savio? Savio's cool as cucumber. That's what I thought. Yeah, Savio's Mr. Man. He goes, I got it. He goes, those guys want to come? Okay, great. Uh, so the second match, and this is real, uh, Jose Lothario is going to pin Jim Cornette with a left to the head in 57 seconds. Five stars in the Tokyo Dome. Negative one star. Cornette's knee has been swelling of late, so it was even worse than you'd think. After the match, they showed Cornette, quote-unquote, knocked out, laying on a bed, signing a piece of paper, which is apparently the angle where Cornette was tricked into signing away the contracts of Owen and Davy Boy to Clarence Mason. So I assume we're transitioning from Cornette to Mason because, well, Jimmy's just tired of being on the road and wants to be at home. Well, Jimmy had a lot more responsibilities uh, at home and working five days a week in the office and then going out wasn't, wasn't something that Jimmy was looking to do, especially if it involved getting on a death tube that goes through the air. Is it true that the original main event here had SummerSlam gone the way it was originally planned was Vader and Cornette against Jose and Sean? Um, I know at one point that was a pitch. Yeah. Hypothetically, if that was the pitch, what do you think mankind would have wound up doing on this show? I have no idea. None at all. Maybe, you know, maybe another one would take her. Brian Pillman came out for the Bret Hart interview that didn't take place. He's no longer on crutches and seemed to be walking much better. He brought out Owen Hart, who said that Brett was afraid of Steve Austin. Austin comes out and did a promo on Brett saying, if you put the letter S in front of Hitman, that's what Bret Hart is saying. He's worse than uh, a chicken. He's the slimy stuff that comes out of a chicken's butt. So of course this isn't quite stone cold. Steve Austin, like at his peak, but boy, we're getting there. You can tell he's getting a little more edgy. Yeah, and this was an opportunity, you know, where Steve really wanted to get out there, and that was the promos that Steve had cut when Steve was out, Steve coming back from injury, where it was Steve freestyling um, vignettes that were shot and being put together. This was Steve being Steve. And, yeah, it was the beginning of Stone Cold. So Owen Hart and Davey Boy are going to win the tag titles from the Smoking Guns in 10 minutes and 59 seconds. When the poster of Sonny comes down, it's all marked up. They gave her a beard and a mustache that supposedly Davey and Owen did. Mason comes back out to manage Hart and Smith. Um, Two and a quarter stars is what we get. The finish sees Billy and Bart collide. Smith uses the power slam on Bart for the pin. And Meltzer would say the match itself was a disappointment considering who was involved and the fact it was a title change. After the match, of course, Sonny got on the mic, called the guns, no good cowboy wannabes, fired them, and stormed off. This is just sort of here for me. It's a nice placeholder, I suppose. Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of um, I guess here for me kind of sums it up in general. It was just, it was a match. But we've got two managers good, in the Not bad. We got two managers in the match, and of course, we know Paul Bearer is going to manage um, Mankind. Jose Lothario is going to manage Shawn Michaels. You got managers all over the show. You know, Zeb was managing Layfield. When do you remember there being a change, a paradigm shift, if you will, where it's like, hey, we don't need all these fucking managers anymore? I think along the Attitude Era. 
you know, it, it, they just kind of faded out. And was there one in particular that rubbed Vince the wrong way? And he was like, fuck this, no more managers. No, I just think that more than anything that it just kind of, they just kind of faded away. And if it was going to be somebody that they needed to be able to work and they needed to be able to hold their own um, and have their own story. Mark Henry's up next. He's going to beat Jerry Lawler by submission with a backbreaker over the shoulder in five minutes and 32 seconds. Meltzer would say at this point, Henry seems a lot closer to Bill Kazmaier than Ken Patera. After the match, Leaf Cassidy, Gennady, and Hunter Hearst Helmsley all jumped Henry, and he cleaned house on all of them. He ended by pressing Helmsley and throwing him over the top rope on both rockers. Henry showed nothing. Dud. Humble beginnings for Mr. Henry, but... Perhaps even more humble. I mean, he's throwing Triple H onto the new Rockers. This is going to be. I know the new Rockers never should have been put in that position, man, because they were. I think that's probably what might have derailed them because they were on. I love the new Rockers, man. Leaf Cassidy, come on. Oh, I love him. I mean, and he thinks he has the same opinion as you, I think, about the best match at WrestleMania 3. Yeah. Um,. Well, Mark, yeah, look, man, Mark just, Mark wasn't ready for prime time and Mark needed more work. But at the same time, it's kind of like if you were to ask anybody, was Kurt Angle ready? Was Brock Lesnar ready? Was Randy Orton ready? Batista, anybody else on down the line? No, they weren't ready when they first started and you got to start somewhere. So congratulations, Mark. Uh, next up, we get the uh, Undertaker pinning Goldust in a final curtain match in 10 minutes and 23 seconds. Uh, Meltzer would say the heat spot was Goldust throwing the gold dust in undertaker's eyes. So he sold for a few minutes, made the big comeback winning with the tombstone. Uh, I don't know. It just feels like the, the whole gold dust thing has probably run its course by this point for me. Uh, you know, I know that it's not as hot as it once was, but I don't know that there's any steam in gold dust here by the end of 96. I think that, you know, it was probably due to be put on the shelf for a little while. And I think that had we put it on the shelf for a little while and just let him go away, learn a new hold and bring him back, that it would have been fresh all over again. Well, let's get to it. While we're really here, the main event, before we do, I want to encourage everybody go watch the promo right before the match. It's uh, in the dressing room area. Shawn Michaels is going to do a, probably an off the cuff, non-scripted promo with Kevin Kelly. And he, uh, you can tell he's not happy that the promo goes a little longer than it should. He felt like maybe it would be shorter if you're reading the body language. Um, and at one point he says, you know, these mind games would work on me if I had anything as far as a mind or something like that, but there's just not a lot up there. And it reminds me of a friend of ours wrote that who recently said, my daughter's not as dumb as she looks, which is just a great all-time home run line. I never said that. No, of course not. Anyway, go watch the interview. It's hilarious. And it will remind you, by the way, that uh, everybody gets better. Evolution is a thing. Shawn Michaels retained the WWF title, beating Mankind in 26 minutes and 25 seconds. Mankind's brought to the ring in a casket by Druids. And boy, they pull out all the stops. This was a really, really good match. You and I watched it again. You know, I still wish they had a clean finish. Of course, at the end, Vader's going to run in for the DQ, but they do the big table spot. We teased it last week. 
mankind peels the mats back. It looks like he's going to be setting up something for Sean on the concrete. Instead, Sean just covers him back up with the same mats and jumps up and down on him. It's a silly little spot, but it really works. And they even have a spot where Sean Michaels does like the, um, the Sabu style. Hey, I'm going to get a run running start, jump off a chair and then almost Rob Van Dam Van Daminator, a chair into mankind's head. They pulled out a lot of really cool stuff in that match. I dug it. The use of the steps with Foley, just brutal stuff. What do you think of the match? I thought the match was excellent, very innovative, and uh, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of first times. Uh, look, table, tables weren't a thing every week uh, back then. They were something that wasn't used, especially in WWE. Mankind being a very unique character at the time that had an unorthodox style that wasn't something that you would say, Hey man, here's going to be this, this catch as catch can match a uh, classic wrestling match. No, it was going to be a little dirty and it was going to be a little ugly and everything about it to me was intriguing. Even to this day, it holds up as an absolute excellent match. I dare say the best match Mick Foley's ever had in his life. Remember how easy it was in your twenties. You had so much energy. You could get away with the late night drive throughs. You could even pinch a uh, trouser tent at a moment's notice. Well, that's because you had plenty of testosterone and it's time to get it back. You could get testosterone injections, but that involves awkward doctor visits, expensive medical bills. And the worst part, once you opt for artificial testosterone, you will suppress your body's ability to naturally produce it even more. But isn't that the problem in the first place? Before considering that pharmaceutical option, there are ways you can naturally raise your testosterone. And one of the easiest ways is by using legacy test stack from legacy sports nutrition. Test X nine has nine key ingredients clinically proven to support natural testosterone production and T assist is designed to supercharge T boosting effects with added anti-estrogen compounds. Nick Aldis, the founder of Legacy Sports Nutrition, has been blown away by the feedback that customers have sent in after using the ultimate test stack. Guys are feeling stronger in the gym. They have more energy. And guys in their late 30s have reported morning wood for the first time in years. One even reported becoming a father after four years of trying. No matter what you do, if you're a guy, having optimum testosterone levels is the key to looking, feeling, and performing better. Try the ultimate test stack today, and they're confident you'll love the results. Just go to LegacySupps.com. That's LegacySupps.com, L-E-G-A-C-Y-S-U-P-P-S.com, and the promo code is WRESTLE, and you'll save 10% off your entire order. That's LegacySupps.com. That's L-E-G-A-C-Y-S-U-P-P-S.com, LegacySupps.com. And the promo code is wrestle to save 10% off your entire order. And we thank LegacySubs.com for sponsoring today's podcast. I think Foley wrote in his book that he thought it was his best match too. And Meltzer would say a super match, but the week ending kept it from being the match of the year. He gave it four and three quarter stars. I too would have liked to have seen a clean finish. I don't think we needed Undertaker or Sid or Vader or any of the extra shenanigans. The match itself was good. There was one spot though, where he got something from, uh, Paul bear and started stabbing himself in the leg with it. They explained on commentary. It was a pencil. No, Jr. immediately went, he's stabbing himself with a pencil and it's a, a white 
wrapped up piece of tape. And how would you know that's a pencil? How would you know that's a pencil? Tell me about the spot in the match that you took issue with. It looked like a miscommunication. It looked like there was going to be an Irish whip. And then perhaps mankind was going to follow him. He did not. Sean teased that he was going to surprise him with a crossbody splash. But of course he looked and realized he's not there. So he ran over to him. And as he made the approach, you could tell the guys were like, well, what now? Mankind just slaps him. And you were like, be sure to ask me about that. So here I am. Well, because again, during that time, uh, we'd had the Vader match with Sean at SummerSlam at SummerSlam. That was the last pay-per-view. And there was a miscommunication in that match that everybody was on Sean about. And, oh, Sean's got such a bad attitude and, and, uh, you know, he's unprofessional this and he's unprofessional that. And how dare he do that to Vader and all this other crap. In laying out the match, uh, the idea was brought up to, hey, what if we had a miscommunication like in the Vader match? On purpose. On purpose. And yet, every, and everybody picked it up, including your uh, buddy there, uh, picked it up. Oh, Sean being a dick again. Sean being unprofessional again with a miscommunication in a match. And it was all built in. It was all built in to tell the story. Actually, Meltzer didn't write about it. I bet he did. He did not. I just read the whole review. Okay. Well, he talked about it. But there is a, that spot has been talked about by both Sean and Foley, where they planned it off of the miscommunicated spot at SummerSlam. Uh, but you liked it. You liked that it was sort of a callback, if you were paying attention. Yeah. I did. Uh, I loved it, and I thought it was very well done. And, yeah, Meltzer did bite and did, did talk about it during that time. Well, not in the right up for just because you can't find it in your research. I just read the whole review. Okay, I'm oh. just saying in his in his talking about things at the time. Oh, so that so you're saying y'all would plan spots to intentionally fool Meltzer and no, ha ha. It was actually something that people were talking about, and it was one of the things that the boys were talking about, kind of as we got into Sean and looking at Sean's whole. Um, not not the work, but it was a frustrated Sean. You know, as a is a talent and as a champion, and is the championship getting to be too much for Sean? Because where before Sean Michaels would have been on his game and would have gone flawlessly through this, you're seeing a frustrated Sean and to work that into the story. Why don't you think we saw more of Sean and Mankind together? I mean, it feels like they had natural chemistry. You know, the whole dude love story that we're going to learn where, where mankind really thought he would be Shawn Michaels, where Foley aspired to be what Shawn Michaels became as a youngster. But we didn't get like a series of matches like we did with Shawn and Undertaker. And we know that Shawn and Undertaker are just going to have an incredible series of matches a year later, you know, the fall of 97. But we don't see that series of matches. And this one... God, what a great match. It was a great match. And, you know, there was talk about a program, but again, everybody else had different dancing partners. And you're thinking, oh, I'm going to get this a year down the line. And then Sean got hurt a year down the line. A yeah. year, you know, literally a year. Uh, Less than that. You. It was in September, wasn't it, when the casket match ran? Oh, that was January Royal Rumble. But what you're talking about is he lost his smile the coming February. Okay, well, it was it was either way. Sean was a whole. We were looking at it. We'll get it. We'll get it down the road. It just didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, In hindsight, you know, 
2020. It's hindsight's always 2020. Do you think? No, it's 2021. Sure. Do you think you should have had a clean finish here, or do you are you happy with what we saw? No, I'm happy with what we saw because you kind of had to protect mankind, and obviously you couldn't take the title off of Sean. And it was an excellent match. I don't think there was one person that was disappointed in that you didn't have a clean one, two, three in that match. So. Jim has talked about before. Jr. has talked about before. He was hesitant to sign Foley. He just didn't see it. And now he's had an incredible feud with The Undertaker, arguably the best match in the company that year in 1996. I know a lot of, you know, idiots would think that it was Sean and Brett from WrestleMania 12, but that match sucked. Greatest match ever. Yep, yep. Uh, Is Vince all high fives afterwards? Holy shit, look what we've got here in Mick Foley. I think I think that it was all of a sudden that Mick wasn't a a, a monster one trick pony with Big Man Undertaker. Um, he had different speeds that he had that he was able to perform. He was able to to deliver. But I think that Vince saw that in the Undertaker matches enough that he had the confidence to put him in the main event spot with Sean. Was Sean happy with the match? We know that Foley calls it one of his best matches ever. I remember uh, Sean being ecstatic. That's awesome. I only ask because, you know, as the legend goes, he thought at times Vader could be stiff and perhaps that mask was a little smelly. And Foley has said the exact same thing that his mask, because it was leather, there's only so much he could do with that. It was not going to be fresh as a daisy. Yeah, but, but Mick wasn't stinky like. Right. Yeah. So I don't remember Mick being, well, anyway. Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. What do you get? Thumbs up. I mean, the the show's probably best remembered for the ECW angle and the main event. But even without the ECW angle, I think people would still be talking about that that main event. I mean, what a match. The main event was excellent. I thought Taker Goldust was damn good. Uh, Meltzer would say, WWF officials have been told internally the pay-per-view buy rate was 0.7, which is a huge success. Uh, the rate the figures we received from the outside sources were claiming a 0.42 buy rate, which would be 105,000 buys or $838,000 in company revenue. Still, even if it's not, uh, a huge success the way, you know, a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam would be, it wasn't in your house. It's not necessarily a tentpole event. It's going to be a shorter show. It's going to be a smaller price tag, et cetera, et cetera. Let's get to some questions and then we'll get uh, old container spruce back on a plane and the fuck out of Alabama. Uh, ringside rant writes, I can't fucking wait. I know. I'm, I know you're ready to get back to that dog. Who's, uh, the, uh, first runner up to the official something, wrestle the dog. official something, wrestle with dog, Dodger Pritchard. Well, I mean, he's kind of a lesson right now. I mean, at a minimum, we got to appreciate he's on the DL. No, he's, he's not. He's ready to go. Okay. Ringside round. Well, think about it. They 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 took out uh, basically ginger out of that that amount of fluid out of his stomach. That's so my thing. You're, he would just like eat ginger, and then we boom, we could just take her out. Well, first of all, that's hurtful, and secondly, ginger could whip his ass. Shit. He's he's got. Ginger's a, afraid of her own shadow. No, that's not true. You've seen ginger bark at everything all weekend. Yeah, I sure as hell have. I mean. You would think by now at her, at her own shadow, she barks at well in fear, you know, we have ring cameras all over our house too, 
but we've at least figured out how to turn them off of your damn phone. And Stephanie never did. Oh my God. Tell me about it. And so as it happened every four minutes, we're all just <laughs> like, holy cow. The dogs think someone is here and oh, someone yeah. is in Connecticut. Yeah, I, but, but it's just some, it's just somebody driving home into their driveway across no, no. the street. No, no, there is no one here. No, 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 no. I'm saying uh, in Connecticut, house. it's just someone driving into their driveway. So across a neighbor the street. at your Connecticut home. Got home from running an errand to the grocery and store, off our and it ruined our time here Correct. in Huntsville, Alabama. Yes. Uh, when we get done, we're going to show us the old staff how to just go bloop. Oh, please. She doesn't know how to do that. Bloop. She doesn't know how to do that. Vibrate mode. Have you heard my phone go off? Not one time. There you go. You heard mine go off? Nope. There you go. So Ringside Brent wants to know, who got more to their match in regards to popularity, storyline, in-ring or, or reception, Mankind or Sean? Oh, Sean. Adam Leeson wants to know, why does Bruce think Mick and Sean didn't ever have another match on pay-per-view? I think we kind of addressed that. We just that. covered that, yeah. But I guess what I wanted to follow up with is, do you think we could have done a dude love versus Sean Michaels? Not Mankind, I, Oh, man, but I dude do. Love. I think you could have done Mankind. You could have done, done Dude, Cactus, all the above. We could have had a hell of a run with Sean. Real quick, let's rank them. Uh, just regular-ass Mick Foley, Dude Love, Mankind, Cactus Jack. You as a fan... Not you as a creator, not you as a contributor, you as a fan, rank them. Mankind. Number one, and then? Dude Love. And then? I guess the other two. Cactus or Mick? I guess Cactus. So there you go, folks. Tweet it out right now. Bruce Pritchard hates Mick Foley. Uh, Chris writes, my friend and I were at the event. It's, I know you didn't say you that. Know, why, why would you say that? Because I'm just trying to stir you up, you know? But that's that's rude and it's inaccurate, kind of like Dave Meltzer. Well, here's the thing. Just I, making things up. Yeah, it works. Okay. So, I mean, it's worked for our podcast. Okay. Uh, Mankind, I think, is my favorite persona, too. And I think most of our listeners would think it's Cactus Jack, but the little brilliance y'all had with Mankind one entrance music, a separate exit music, the mandible claw, the rocking back and forth, the mask, the pulling out the hair, the rat, the rat. The rat. It's just unbelievable. Uh, Chris says my friend and I were at the event and sat on the lower level. Both of us and others in our row were positive. Sean yelled at Foley for missing a spot like Vader. Is this true? Is this why they didn't have another pay-per-view match? Ta-da. It worked all these years later. Congrats first. Your man, Lenny Bakken, that's B-A-K-K-E-N, Google it. He's with Edward Jones, and that's where Bruce sends all his money. Asks, how was Mark Henry received backstage when he started, and how was his attitude? Um, You know, uh, in the beginning, I think that Mark was trying to fit in, and Mark came in, heralded as, you know, an Olympian and, and what have you, and I think maybe was looking for a little bit of special treatment. Um but, you know, Mark worked hard and, and paid his dues. But in the beginning, I don't think that people saw that. I think people thought that he was there for other reasons. Uh, GJ Refill says, is the sign in the crowd that said, fat guys do it better accurate? <laughs> Fucking A. You're talking to two of them. Guy W. Chines wants to know, because I think you may defend this, I'm going to hashtag ask Conrad. Is there a worse gimmick than fake diesel and razor? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think being the plumber, being the garbage man, 
being uh, Santa Claus, being Mantar. <laughs> Do you think any, there's a gimmick worse? Sorry, I wanted a question for me. It's for you. I'm asking you though. What? Is there a worse gimmick than fake razor and diesel? Those were great. They weren't. They were great gimmicks. So there's, there, I mean, there was no fake diesel and fake razor. <sighs> there's razor and diesel played by different people. Luke from Eastern Iowa, who sent you that painting to your office, by the way, wants to know. It's well, in my office, hanging up in my office. It's kind of like the, the Hollywood sign, except but it's it's, something to wrestle. Yeah. Uh, what would it sound like if Vince sang "Sexy Boy"? Come on, just a sexy boy. Be our speaking spell. Let's sexy do it. Boy. Be funny one time. On this, you haven't been funny this whole show. You try to do the last show, all is dusty. Can you just be the, just do one thing? That's it's right. just a sexy boy, sexy boy. He's not your boy toy, boy toy. He's just a sexy boy. Thank you for that, Mister William. Wants to know how did the crowd receive the post pay per view dark matches, and how did talent like going out after the main event? Pretty hilarious story here during, uh, buried alive. I think I've heard Mick Foley tell this story before with our friend, Kenny McIntosh from inside the ropes, across the pond. Shout out to Kenny where the next month where they do the undertaker mankind in October of 96, the pay-per-view goes off the air and mankind has just killed the undertaker. He's dead and buried. We literally buried him and pay-per-view goes off the air and the live crowd here's the new rockers coming running to the ring hey, we killed the guy now let's do some tag team wrestling <laughs> <laughs> well, the show must go on conrad how, how big of a challenge is that though to follow a match like that Shawn michaels and mankind it was the main event it was the pay-per-view and now pimping ain't easy dog stuff somebody's got to do it uh, one last one. Adrian Finn says, what was Sean's reaction to finding out he was going to be working with mankind? Was Sean looking forward to working a different style of match? Uh, Sean saw it as a challenge. And again, I think that a lot of people, uh, you know, the jury was still out on Mick as far as everything that he could do. And there was a bit of excitement of working with the mankind character. And Sean looked at it as a challenge and way to have a different match and not just the, you know, the same old match. And that was, I think a positive thing and looked at it very positively. And I think they delivered on the challenge. Well, Bruce, that's going to uh, bring an end to our uh, recording excursion. We're now a week ahead. How does it feel? I thought we're no, no, wait a minute, man. We did like six of these things and and I'm done. What do you mean you're done? You're right. Retiring? I'm done for six weeks, right? No, 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 no. Wait, not what? You have one week you off. You have one week off. This was my week off that I didn't get off. Well, buddy, you you not getting off is up to you and Mrs. Mrs. P. Uh, but you're here all week. Yeah. Next week's fun though. It's a watch along. What are we along watching? October 3rd, 1987, Saturday night's main event. The glory days, daddy. Okay. You're not looking forward to that? It's Hulk Hogan era. Yeah. Come on, man. You know I don't like the watch-alongs. Yes, you do. No, I don't. What if we did it together? Okay. We'll do it together right now. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, folks, I would say we'll be back next week. But you know, with Bruce, maybe we will. Maybe we won't. But whenever we get back, it'll be fun. Because it's something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard.
Rock on. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever to the naked eye trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are. And they can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop over a mile to stop by that time. It's too late. And the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. And if the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Okay, time out. I want to talk about how much I love tag team wrestling and specifically my favorite part of a tag team match. It's the hot tag, baby. We recently got the hot tag over at SaveWithConrad.com from Michael in Williamstown, New Jersey. He left us a five-star review and he had this to say, when I started the refi process, I went to the company that held my loan to ask about a refi. They were less than optimistic about some of our refinance goals. A fan of Conrad's podcast. I wanted to give Conrad a shot at earning my business. I worked with Jimmy and immediately got the sense that our goals were realistic. I locked in an ultra low rate and the terms that made the deal were a no brainer for me. In the end, I cut six years off of my loan and saved about $90,000. I can't thank Conrad, Jimmy and Eric enough. Think about that, man. His first company, the company who had his current mortgage said, I don't know if we can do that. And the old wrestling podcast team pulled through, baby. He cut six years off his loan, $90,000. Are you serious? It's the best rate he's ever had on a mortgage. And it all happened at SaveWithConrad.com. He saved 90 grand, but how much can you save? It's free to find out right now. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And it's not a matter if you can save money. It's a matter of how much. Find out right now. SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.